I think first it's sort of swallowing the reality of the situation and figuring out exactly what what's happening and how do we have to pivot and adjust. And I think my first thought during the first surge was making sure that I was really communicating with my team and keeping them informed of everything that I knew. Obviously, when there's a pandemic and there's large amounts of change, I think communication is the key. And so just reminding, like doing that constant kind of check-in that we're safe, we're okay, we have everything we need. This is what we do. And we can do this exceptionally well. And I can say that because I have always been confident in this team, but having my team around me, I know we can do anything that's asked of us. UC Health presents the Every Podcast Series. We're taking our signature health and wellness event, celebrating all women and breaking it down into episodes where we'll speak with special guests and top experts on issues including insomnia, relationships, stress, life changes, and how to balance it all. Hosted by yours truly, that'd be me, Gloria Neal, or better known as Glow, former anchor and reporter, current Denver Director of Public Affairs, and we're all here to help you live your best life physically as well as emotionally. Kelly was a nurse manager of a cardiac intensive care unit when COVID hit. Overnight, it was transformed into the COVID intensive care unit. Her team was suddenly thrown into the deep end, treating patients around the clock. To get through this unexpected challenge, one of the things Kelly relied on was good communication with her team. This was clearly important in terms of running a hospital unit, but Kelly also surrounded herself with people she could count on, which was clearly key to her confidence in her ability to adapt. Our guest today is Dr. Margarita Sevilla. She's a doctor of family and sports medicine, which she practices in Highlands Ranch. Margarita, from what I understand, your life has been full of many unexpected changes. Maybe you can start by telling us a bit about your backstory. (laughs) Hi, Gloria, and thank you so much for having me. I completely relate to all these crazy changes that uh, have happened to all of us this past year with the pandemic. I think the biggest change for me was a career change. I started off thinking I was going to be a vet because I always loved animals. And then once I was in college, I got that dreaded call from my family that my dad had gotten diagnosed with cancer and he didn't have very much to live. So I left college and I went home to spend time with him and uh, became his main caretaker. And, you know, that included going to the doctor quite a bit, going to the hospital, And that sort of changed my perspective. And I thought, well, now that I'm getting all this experience, even though, of course, I would prefer not to have it, (laughs) I think maybe better for me to change careers and actually become a doctor. And that's how I changed the path. And instead of taking care of animals, I now take care of people and I love it. And (laughs) um, it was very hard to take care of someone you love so much and see them suffer. And he was very young. He was in his early 50s. Mm. But I think overall, it made me a better doctor. I think I understand when people are in pain. And I understand how hard it is for families to deal with a sick member. Yeah, I call it beautiful pain. Yes. Um, I lost <laughs> lost my mother, but I oh, will sorry ask to hear that. Yes, I am sorry about your father as well. But Let me say this, because we have your father to thank for the insightfulness around this. 
And those are big and unexpected changes. Can you relate to Kelly's experience about the importance of having that strong support system around you to help you through these kinds of challenges? I think, as Kelly mentioned, having a good team in your work is fantastic and and important. And then having family support and having friends that you can count on when it's too much for your family to deal with everything. I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think about that when you talk about making a U-turn or having to make a U-turn. And I know we'll get to that. But what was it about taking care of your dad that made you decide to switch from veterinary medicine and studying into medicine. I know that it's more than, okay, I got to go and take care of my dad. That's understandable because you could have very well gone back into veterinary medicine afterwards. Why did you not do that? I think the main reason was I saw that I could help a lot more. I thought I could come in right away, even without having gone through all the training that we have to go through, but right away have that perspective of suffering and the need for the provider, the doctor, the uh, nurse practitioner, whoever, to listen and to actually put yourself in the shoes of the patient and the patient's family. So I thought, why not? Right away, I'll, I'll come with this gift, even though it's a very painful gift right now, to, to be able to help out. And Every day, I I somehow (laughs) find a way to go back to that and and thank my dad. Oh, that is very, very special because you're right. I mean, the blessing was this gift, but of course, it came through a lot of pain. Right. A lot of pain. But in the end, it really, I think, made me a better person and a better doctor for sure. Absolutely. Speaking of facing big challenges, I hear you have a very harrowing tale to tell about mountain climbing. (laughs) Yes. My mom would not like me talking about this stuff because she's been through a lot with me. But yeah, for some reason growing up, I always got into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Not bad trouble. Do tell. I was kind of a tomboy, so I always wanted to do the kind of more dangerous things. So, of course, I got into mountain climbing, Uh (laughs) which is not the safest sport. (laughs) And uh, one of those times, the weather really changed on us after we got to the summit of this really tough mountain. It's close to 20,000 feet, and it's in the Andes. Of course, it's in Ecuador where I grew up. And uh, it's not the tallest, but it just has winds from all over. So it has just a really wicked weather. Wow. So it's not hard to have a beautiful sunny day and then all of a sudden it snows and you can't see a thing. And that's exactly what happened to us. We got to the summit and the weather just turned on us. It started snowing, a really horrible storm. And to get to the summit, we had to climb a pretty steep ice wall. So to descend that was kind of dangerous with that sort of weather. So we decided to wait it out. And this was back in 96, so a long time ago. (laughs) And uh, back then, you know, cell phones were not all that common. But I was so lucky. My mom worked in a cell phone company. And so we had a cell phone, one of those giant cell phones. And so we were able to call. It was uh, three of us that were climbing. And we were able to call my friend's parents and say, hey, we are in trouble. It's going to take us a little longer. We're going to be a little late. We won't be home for lunch. We waited a couple more hours and the weather just did not get any better. It actually was getting worse. So we made another call. Wow. And at that time we said, you know, we actually do need some help. So they called us back and they said, yep, 
They're on their way. You guys hang in there. Someone's coming to rescue you. But it was very cold. I mean, we're close to 20,000 feet and uh, it's snowing. The wind is blowing. So we decided to build a little cave and, um, you know, we kind of sat there for a bit. But a couple hours passed and then we tried to call again and our phone was frozen. (laughs) They won't be able to call us when they get here. They won't be able to find us. Yeah. And at that point, many, many hours passed by. And because you get to the summit at like six in the morning and we were getting close to five in the afternoon. So it was starting to get dark. And we thought, oh, they're not coming. They're not going to find us. So let's just climb down and see what life brings. And of course, as we were climbing down the wall, the first person that was climbing kind of tripped and fell. And because we're all tied together, we all just rolled down and fell. Oh, But we were extremely lucky. We fell on snow. Um, No one was hurt. You know, we were all kind of shaken, but nothing serious. Wow. Not to mention you're frozen. We're completely frozen. Yep. So we gathered ourselves. We were fine. We started walking, trying to find the way back. And of course, it had snowed so much, we couldn't see anything. So now it was pitch dark. We're walking and I'm in the middle because I'm the smallest. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, I felt the rope that I was tied with just pulled me and I was on the ground getting pulled. And thank goodness the person behind me was able to stop me, but not the first person. So we followed the rope and my friend had fallen in a crevasse. So he was hanging. He could hear us, but we couldn't see him. We knew he was alive. We knew he was okay. So by then we had been up for what, 20 hours from, you know, the night before that we had climbed. So we were pretty tired. So we weren't the strongest at that point. So we tried to pull him for a couple hours. We couldn't. So we sat down and thought, well, this is it. We can't leave him because we'll never find him again. And it's kind of interesting. At that point, I started visualizing my funeral and I was so sad for my parents. Like, ah, why did I do this? And then all of a sudden, really far, I saw a light and I thought, wow, my friend got out. How did he get out? And then I saw another light and another light. The guides had found us. Mm. It was a miracle that they got to us at that point. And it took them a good hour to get my friend out because he was so deep. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was a pretty close one. <laughs> wow, that is a close one. But even overcoming that one, that took some intestinal fortitude. There is a will to survive even when you start thinking that you're going to die that kicks in. Yeah, and you know, you have to ignore the cold, the hunger. You just have to keep going and, and try to get out of there because you know no one can help you. Right, and that's what brings me to, here's this question that makes me think, having a near-death experience, that must have had a big effect on you moving forward in your life. I have to be honest, at the beginning, it wasn't a good thing because I felt, oh, I'm invincible. Nothing happened. I remember driving really fast and thinking, eh, nothing's going to happen. And then you digest it all and you actually analyze and see how close you really were to dying and how fragile life is in general. So it taught me to persevere for sure, even when you're feeling low and when you want to give up and you always want to get out of that and just keep at it and Ask for help when you need it, for sure. Has it taught you anything about patience? Yes. <laughs> and I, I have to say, I wasn't the most patient person, but <laughs> patience and a little bit of resilience, too. But I, I do try to be, I always, I think I can always be more patient, but you always have that time to think back and say, you know, let's go. Let's take a minute, mm-hmm. think about it, think about all the options, not 
jump to conclusions, not jump to decisions and be a little more patient. Right. I always think about with COVID, you think about, okay, a different perspective than where we were. If anybody had told me in 2019 that we would be having a pandemic in 2020 that kept us at home, we need everybody to shelter in place. I remember hearing that message from the governor and even the mayor, and I'm thinking, does that mean stay home? You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, no, nobody's kidding you, Gloria. You must stay home. And that week became two weeks, became a month, became two months. And on and on, it brought up a lot of issues in my household, I'm sure in a lot of other people's households that I didn't have to deal with. And you're forced to address that. The same with you? Absolutely. And for us, it was never stay home because we had to keep working as healthcare providers, but still no socializing at all. And even with more responsibility, because I kept thinking, fine, I'm, I may not get sick if I get COVID, but what if I give it to one of my patients and they don't make it or they get very sick? So I was even more aware of being extremely careful at the beginning and Definitely no socializing, going to the grocery store as soon as they opened, Mm -hmm. going really quickly, grabbing stuff for getting half of (laughs) what you needed. (laughs) Yeah, everything absolutely changed. And I know it's hard for a lot of households, um, especially the ones that have kids that were doing, you know, remote learning and then trying to work from home. I can't even imagine. We did a lot of telehealth visits so you could see what was going on in other people's homes. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was a lot. You know, the, the patient was trying to have a visit with their doctor, but the kid would come in. <laughs> so, you know, you completely understand how chaotic it became at one point. COVID is a perfect example of how life can change unexpectedly. And Kelly told me how her experience working in the cardiac intensive care helped prepare her for the unexpected. Do you think your life experiences have helped you deal with these kind of U-turns a lot better? I think for sure. Absolutely. Especially The changing career so young, I was in my early 20s when that happened and and then losing my dad and having to take that role a little bit and completely change what you had planned even months before. And I think that the thing with that is you can change, but then you also have to change your attitude towards it and not feel like, oh, gosh, why did it happen to me? And why do I have to deal with it now? But see it as a Okay, I had to change completely. Now I'm helping people a lot more and I'm going to do my best and be the best I can be at that. Right. And it makes a difference. So many folks are struggling even now. I mean, I know 2020 things seem to be lifting somewhat, but even when you hear, hey, you know, we still might have to get a booster every year. We're totally not out of the woods yet. What advice do you give your patients now? Because we're not out of the woods. That is the hardest for sure, because people are really tired of it. And I completely understand it. And we are seeing quite a bit of mental health problems just because we're all social and we all need that human contact. And we're over a year now into this. And there's also the uncertainty. A lot of people have lost their jobs. I think my advice, and I I always try to just be really patient with them, too, because you kind of want to say it's going to be better, but we don't know. Right. We are in a much better place than we were a few months ago. Many people are getting vaccinated, and that is going to help. But even with that, I just 
tell people to imagine a year from now, what would they really want to do? Is it a trip overseas? Yeah. Is it a trip to the lake house? Is it to see their grandparents? And just to imagine that and focus on that and really work towards that. And in this pandemic, especially, it's not just what you do. It's it's what you do is actually going to help a lot of people. So it has taught us to not be selfish, right? which is a huge thing. And, and I think people are really trying to grasp it. And hopefully we will get over this soon. Absolutely. You know, getting through this past year has had its unique set of challenges, but change is an inevitable part of life, even if we were not in a pandemic. And that is even more true for women. Up next, we talk about some of the changes women face and how you can get through them. This time, as crazy as it's been, I think it's reminding ourselves that to take a, a moment to celebrate the awesome little things, the big wins and the small ones, and all of those little things and getting up and being present in this world, and that it really is about this journey that we're on. And I know that that's cliche as well, but man, what an awesome process. Women are always trying to improve and better and like are working so hard and doing so much for so many people and wearing so many different hats. And so I would just say, like, take a moment and and celebrate and say to yourself, gosh, I am freaking amazing. You know, I love that quote. Kelly points out a really good point, which is that we need to find and recognize the positive impacts we can make each and every day. Women especially can be so hard on themselves, but... We really are amazing, amazing. Welcome back. My guest today is Dr. Margarita Sevilla. She is a doctor of family and sports medicine. You know, Margarita, I'm curious about your views on how hardships can actually force us to stop and, you know, kind of take stock. You've been through a lot. How do you help your patients get through unexpected change? That is always tough, yes. And what more change than what we've had this past year? Listening to people and, and trying to see where they're coming from, what really affects them the most and how we can change that and see the positive in different things is the key. And and it's not always easy, I have to say. Right. It's not always easy. And everyone is lucky in some way. And I think when you can explain that to them um, by learning more about them, by having them tell you everything about them and then finding that little thing that they might not think makes them lucky, but then pointing it out. I think that really helps. And we all need it. Sometimes we all need someone to tell us, hey, but you, you have this and you're able to do all of this. And that, even though it's not having the best car or whatever it is that you think could make you happy right. is important. Can't see the forest for the trees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so life changes are something you must deal with in your practice daily. What advice do you give to patients who are dealing with those challenges like, you know, even infertility or extended illnesses or even menopause? I mean, those kinds of changes you think, okay, you know what? I understand that you're disappointed, but how do you get them to wrap their brains around, it's going to be okay? In these sort of problems, let's say menopause mm -hmm. or you can't sleep or everyone is so different. So trying to find 
the right lifestyle change, the right medication for them. I think not only that part helps, but just getting to that depth with each patient so that they feel like they are important and they are and they are different. Everyone's different. Not everything, not what worked for your neighbor might work for you. People are going through a lot right now, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, they are. Now, I understand you are a big athlete and you've done Woo, what I said, you know what, I want to try it, an Ironman triathlon, woo, and even several marathons. Now, I will tell you, because I've heard you've completed your Ironman during your residency, so clearly you should be walking around with a big S on your chest, (laughs) like you are a superwoman. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. (laughs) I put that challenge on myself when I was a resident, and you know, when you're a resident, you just work so many hours, and you sort of become a little more unhealthy. And you have to be on call every third or fourth night and drink lots of caffeine. (laughs) So I decided to sign up for an Ironman my third year of residency, which means you train for a whole year. So I signed up when I was on my second year. And yeah, that was uh, was interesting. (laughs) I, I finished it. And then unfortunately, and I say that Jokingly, I got addicted to them and then did 11 of them. Woo! Yes, including the one here in Boulder. You did 11? I did. Iron Man or 11? 11 Ironmans, yep. Oh my gosh. Yes. How do you get addicted to Ironmans? I don't know. I'm trying to understand it. No, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think it was the challenge of balancing a busy practice and the amount of training that it takes to train for an Ironman. And then it just becomes part of your life. But yeah, I don't do those anymore. (laughs) Wow. I'm impressed. I know the amount of training that goes into that. It was. I think Mm -hmm. it kept me very sane. But it was a lot. (laughs) And a bit extreme. You don't have to go that route to do something fun and healthy. But Thank uh, God. I know. (laughs) I think it is really, really good. But I also think if there's a draw in there... For the sports medicine pieces, that what drew you into it. Because if you're training for Ironmans, the training and wonderful, that's good. But you can also get injured. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of injuries. I didn't, thank goodness. I had a couple of bike crashes that weren't great, but nothing serious. But I think the nice thing about triathlons is that because you're cross-training, you know, you're swimming, biking, running. Right. The injuries seem to be a little less than when you're just running, at least in my experience. And It's so nice to be able to relate to patients when they come in and they're training for their first marathon or their Ironman or their ultra marathon and they have an injury and and it, it is really nice to understand what they're going through and how much they want to finish that race and how we can do it safely without, you know, making their injury worse or causing more damage. Right. In training for and completing triathlons and marathons, there are a lot of unexpected things that can happen, like getting injured or you're trying to, you know what, I had this surgery like me. I recently had my right knee scoped. And so because I want to now jog, not even run, but okay, be nice to jog on a treadmill. But it is so very interesting to think about getting re-injured or doing something in bad weather or even just have days when you feel discouraged and fall off your program because your knee is bothering you. You think about all of that and they say you can't control what happens, but you can control how to react to it. So I'm curious how you reacted to the challenges 
you must have faced when you were training. You said you had a few bike crashes, but nothing really serious. Well, a bike crash is serious. <laughs> well, I should take that back. I, I had one that was fairly serious. I was actually in Wales in the UK <gasps> doing an Ironman there. <laughs> And of course, being the UK, it was raining uh, during the bike portion and two people in front of me crashed their bike. And then, of course, I went and crashed on top of them. And that's the last thing I remember. Wow. (laughs) Then I woke up in an ambulance. So it was a little more serious. So I had a pretty nasty concussion. And it took me a long time to heal from that one, actually. Yeah. I am so glad you're here with us today, Margarita. (laughs) (laughs) So Kelly shared with me that she was inspired to push through the hard days of the pandemic by seeing just how hard her team worked. She saw all of them showing up and doing their best. So she wanted to do the same for them. Sort of sounds like you, Margarita. (laughs) But is there someone who has inspired you to push through the hard times like you do? I can tell you are one of those alphas. Hell or high water, you are going to work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think seeing what my peers were doing in the hospital, all the emergency room nurses, doctors, all the ICU, all the hospital personnel, everyone I think that pushed me. If they continue to work in such crazy conditions with people walking in so sick every day, nonstop, that has really pushed me because they really had a tough time. Right at the peak of the pandemic, all the beds were taken. People were so sick. And for them to see the loss every day, and I think that speaks volumes of them. And I have so much respect for everyone in the hospitals. Absolutely. Have you told them that it is okay to be not okay? Yes. Yes. I've had a few patients that are nurses either in the ICU or on the floors. And, you know, I've told them you need some time off. Things are much better now. You need to take care of yourself. And have you too said that to you? I have. <laughs> no, I, I have. I, I've I've taken time off from time to time too when it's gotten a little too much and We have a great team in my clinic, and so we support each other. And when someone needs a little more time, we cover for them and everything. Well, on behalf of every man and woman who is going to hear this, I thank you. Because what I have seen and what I have heard over the last year for the job that I have done and getting the privilege to see some of the things that you all have had to do, I cannot thank y'all enough. So many people would not be alive if you all had not done what you did and risking your life and, quite frankly, risking your family's lives by going in there and holding people's hands and holding up computers so their loved ones could see them and spend time and encouraging people to just keep breathing, keep pushing, because folks were given up. I think it has been a privilege to be able to help in that way and have the training to help in this awful pandemic. And and even after, we're seeing the after results right now, the stress, the mental health, the things that didn't get taken care of last year because of being afraid to go into the doctor. So it is a privilege for us. and, And I'm very thankful that I can do it. We absolutely thank you. So we've talked about all this unexpected change in life. 
your life has been so interesting, I can tell. I mean, from the climbing <laughs> stories to the stories you talked about being in the hospital, I- I'm sure that just you being there during this interesting period of history in all of our lives, how many of us can say we've lived through a pandemic? It has been harrowing, but it's also been a privilege to live through this history. Absolutely. And I think to learn about ourselves, to learn about our community, about our country, about everything, and learn the good and the bad and how we can not make the same mistakes we may have made. I think it has been a privilege. And I do feel lucky that we've lived through it, even though it's been very hard. That's absolutely right. Deciding to make a change comes with its own set of challenges, since you really need to look at yourself and ask some hard questions like, why am I not living the life I want to live. And how am I contributing to my situation? What advice would you offer to someone wanting to change, but they're struggling to make that change? I think the number one thing will be ask for help. Ask either your family, your community, your church, or ask your doctor. But that one little question, asking for help, is going to make a huge difference. And it doesn't make you weaker. It doesn't make you any less. It just actually speaks volumes at you because you definitely want that change. And and there are so many people out there that can help you. Dr. Sophia, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your advice. Thank you. You are welcome. And your personal stories. And I want to sum up Dr. Sophia's top five takeaways for making a U-turn. Number one, change is a normal part of life. So don't resist it. Embrace it. Number two, Be patient with yourself and with the process. Change can take time to adjust to. Number three, try to focus on what you can control and not on what you can't control. Know that even if you can't control everything, you can control how you react. Number four, don't be afraid to ask for help. It takes courage to ask for help. So do that. And number five, focus on what is going right and not on what is going wrong. So, there you have it. To follow up on today's episode, you can check out our show notes at uchealth.org forward slash every. That's E-V-R-E. And to find out more about today's expert, you can visit uchealth.org. Thank you for joining us. And please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and iHeartRadio podcast. To find out more about our subject today, you can visit us at uchealth.org forward slash every. Every is produced at UC Health. Thank you for joining us and stay safe, everybody. Until next time, have a good day.